0: You're listening to a podcast series from Vietcetera Production. Vietnam is forecasted to be one of the fastest growing economies in Southeast Asia and the world. To understand the dynamics behind Vietnam's miracle growth, Vietcetera meets with business leaders every week to discuss the country's future growth prospects. We also learn about how they build and manage teams and why they think innovation will be key to Vietnam's role in the world order. Shuyin is a partner at Patamar Capital, a leading impact investing firm in Southeast Asia, where she is responsible for investing activities in the Mekong region, as well as spearheading Patamar's gender lens investing efforts, including managing the investing in the Women Fund. Shuyan is also the co-founder and CEO of the Beacon Fund, a boundary-breaking fund for female entrepreneurs in Southeast Asia's emerging markets. Shuyin's past experiences include the U.S. Congress, the Australian Public Service, the Lawy Institute for International Policy and UNICEF. She was named one of Australia's 100 Women of Influence by the Australian Financial Review in 2015 and an Asia 21 Young Leader by the Asia Society in 2016. We sit down with Shuyin to discuss the issues female entrepreneurs have to deal with in the venture capital world today and why more needs to be done to help them crack the glass ceiling. But before we begin, we'd also like to extend a big thanks to our sponsors, health tech startup GeoHealth. GeoHealth is known for their innovative products and services to improve the healthcare system in Vietnam. Drop by a visit to one of their new smart clinics at M Plaza in Ho Chi Minh City for the latest, or download their mobile apps on the App Store or Google Play for more. What's up, guys? It's your host, How here again, the CEO of Vietcetra. We're here at the radio room for another episode of Vietnam Innovators. Uh, we're welcoming a guest that I've known for many years. Uh, in fact, she was probably one of the first 10, 20 people I actually met in Vietnam. Uh, we used to work in the same industry. Uh, her name is Xu Yin Tang. She's the co-founder and CEO of Beacon Fund. Uh, we'll let her explain more about what that is. Um, she's also a partner at Patamar Capital. Uh, they happen to be both uh, in the kind of same industry, venture capital specifically, and which again, I'll let uh, Xu Yin share her insights about that industry in Vietnam and greater Southeast Asia. Um, so without further ado, we're going to jump straight into the podcast here and welcome our guest, Xu Yin. Xu Yen, thank you for coming to the studio this afternoon.
1: Yeah, thanks, how It's great to have this opportunity to be here and catch up. As you say, we don't see Fantastic. each other enough. We don't see yeah.
0: <laughs> Exactly. I mean, we're obviously busy people, but who isn't? Yeah. Um, and I was, as I, as, I, as you guys know, the the listeners here, uh, I kind of built the show format so that when I invite people, it's like a coffee catch-up. Um, and obviously, we Literally. work in the same industries <laughs> Exactly. Well, TE, coffee. coffee. Uh, sponsored by CTY. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so, Shuyen, you know, you've been here in Vietnam for a number of years. Um, Before we go into the work stuff, Mm. I'd love to hear about why you're in Vietnam, which I guess is related to work, um, how long you've been here and and what motivates you, especially as a woman who is of a foreigner background, you're not Vietnamese Mm -hmm. blood or or Vietnamese. Um, Let's just start with that.
1: Yeah, so this is my ninth year in Vietnam. (laughs) Um, And and, after all of this time, I think it it really does feel like home. Mm. Um, I can't think of a better way of describing my journey to Vietnam than, you know, the Vietnamese word um, which I, one of the meanings of zhuan is, is kind of fate or serendipity. And um, before I came to Vietnam, I uh, didn't know much, to be honest, right? So uh, I'm Australian. I'm of Malaysian Chinese background. I'd never set foot in Vietnam before, um, before I came to, to live here and work here. Uh, and yeah, basically didn't, you know, had, had, had very, very little idea or, and very little expectation about what Vietnam could bring and actually no intention of staying beyond a year. Right. But how did I end up here? Um, so I was actually living in India um, when I first heard about this concept called impact investing, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of... Um, it, well, it sounded a little bit, you know, like it you sounds can, very millennial.
0: You want impact?
1: Yes, yes. It was like you can have your cake and eat it too, right? You can, um, you know, apply financial approaches, right? Investment approaches, but also have social and environmental impact as well, right? So. Um, And well, I think as subsequently I learned, it's a little more complicated than that, but, um, but I think at the time it was, you know, just such an inspiring, um, potential career path to follow. And so I was very keen to explore roles in impact investing, um, I think anyone who's tried to get a job in the investment industry but hasn't had transaction experience, you know how that feels. You get told a million times like, wow, you don't have enough transaction experience. And it turned out the place where I could actually find a job was in Southeast Asia. Um, So I I applied for a role with a global impact investor called LGT, um, Venture Philanthropy. Um, well, interesting organization affiliated with the, the princely family of Liechtenstein. But that's another story for a, and a story for another day. Um, and yeah, so, so, and, and, and got a job, right, uh, in the impact investing space, which was my um, big priority at the time. Um,
0: and that we, was in Vietnam. That India. was it.
1: Well, that was the thing. Right. So there were there were two um, two openings, um, one in Hanoi and one in Jakarta. And uh, so the two candidates, there were two final candidates, another uh, gentleman um, named, named David and myself. And it was basically like, ladies first, you get to choose where you want to go. And I was like, well, I don't know much about Vietnam or Indonesia for that matter, but I think Vietnam has good food. I think Hanoi has a bit less traffic than Jakarta, which is kind of infamous for the, for the traffic jams. And I was like, well, let me go. And I arrived uh, during debt um, in 2013 and have been here ever since. Yeah,
0: fantastic. I mean, it's a very rare story, not only as a woman mm. uh, foreigner to come to Vietnam, of all places, but also right. uh, to be coming at that age, in mm. that industry, and to Hanoi, not even Ho Chi Minh City. Right, to so, Hanoi. What did... <laughs> and how many years were you in, up, up there? For?
1: Yeah, I spent five years in Hanoi before moving moving down here. And um, I, you know, Hanoi has a very special place in my heart. I think of it as my quê in, sure, <laughs> in sure. Vietnam. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but Saigon, obviously, is a great place to live, as, as you know, and um, I've loved being here as well
0: fantastic so yeah. for fast forward nine years later you're still here right uh, i i would think that your career is thriving i mean it looks like it you've started some new projects and and we'd love to hear yeah. about that as well um i actually haven't heard from you personally i know it's been featured on viet yeah. before right i had Thank one of our that. editors <laughs> uh, talk to you not right. me. um but let's just jump into it i mean beacon fund um for those of you that don't mm-hmm. know beacon fund again venture capital fund mm-hmm. uh but specializes in uh empowering women entrepreneurs mm-hmm. specifically um very trendy but um you yep. know, that's happening everywhere mm. but in the US uh that's that's where you see a lot of it right. in Vietnam though it's it's not i guess it's very rare to find i guess you could say and yes. and which is a good and bad thing uh yeah. in the sense that lots of opportunity, but it's also, there's not a lot of infrastructure. So you guys are kind of responsible for building right. that. Uh, I'd love to hear how you're approaching that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think there's, well, there's, there's one little twist to the tail, which is I don't actually consider Beacon Fund a venture capital fund, but we'll we'll get into that um, in, in a little bit. So Yes, yeah, so I think for the past nine years, I've been investing in, in Vietnam and mainly taking a venture capital approach, right? Um, so, uh, so so the firm that, that I that I also work for still today um, is, is Padma Capital. And we manage a number of impact funds, which really aim to back entrepreneurs who are serving low and lower middle income communities, right? Whether that's through education, whether that's through healthcare, whether that's through, you know, disrupting supply chains, um, you know, you name it. Uh, we back, I guess, you know, Fast growth, um, companies doing that, I think similar to other VCs, but I think very important to us is, you know, what is the segment, um, that this company is serving and what is the mission of that company? And, you know, I think through that, I got to know the venture capital space really well. And I think, you know, I think we were there in the early days and we saw it when there was basically like, you know, five funds. And then nowadays, um, every, <laughs> every week seems to bring some, some new exciting announcement about new funding coming to Vietnam. Um, So that was on one hand, right? I think, you know, I saw this tremendous explosion of venture capital activity, both from domestic players, as well as from regional players, right? Coming in, I mean, especially last year, right? Vietnam was this hot market, especially due to the, you know, incredible handling of of the COVID situation. Um, Everyone wanted to put their money into Vietnam. So, it's, you know, Vietnam was, was red hot from a venture capital perspective. And, you know, I think we've, we've, we've all seen the news about new rounds, um, new like higher than ever valuations, et cetera, et cetera.
0: funds now? Well,
1: I, is um, there a
0: balance? I
1: think, well, well, I think there is a balance needed, right? And I think that's what really um, prompted um, us to start Beacon as well. Um, and because I think despite all of this funding, there were still a lot of interesting companies which we met, um, which were not being funded, right? And I think in particular, women-led companies, right? And that's a particular passion of mine, right? So, I have, you know, always been asking myself this question, like, why don't more female founders get, get funding, right? And then, you know, if I look at actually the, the data, right, from our own pipeline, from our own experiences, um, it came back to, you uh, well, there's obviously many reasons, and I think, you know, I'm obviously generalizing a little bit here, but I think one very common reason that we saw was that, you know, this or this, this idea that some of these companies aren't scalable enough, right? Um, like, this is not addressing a billion-dollar market, like, you know, can this achieve hyper-growth, um, which is, as you know, a big requirement for the venture capital model, Um And I guess I was like that annoying kid who kept on asking like, why, why, why? Right. So I'm like, why do we need to see, you know, exponential growth or hyper growth? Right. You know, why do we need to, you know, back the next unicorns? Right. Like, I mean, and everyone's like, well, you know, the basics of fund economics, you need to, um, in every fund, you're going to have some home runs, the unicorns, the big hits, and then you're going to have a lot of portfolio companies which uh, go to zero. Right. I think you know this very well, um, having been in the industry yourself. And I was like, but why, right? Does that have to be the way where you're looking for these outsized winners? And then, you know, all these, I, I guess, companies, which, which don't turn out. Um, and they're like, yeah, that's just the way venture capital is done, right? And then I'm like, well, why do you need to exit in 10 years, right? This, why is that? And they're like, but 10-year funds, are, you know, that's just the way you do venture capital funds, right? Yeah. You know, don't you know anything? <laughs> um, and I I realized, though, that talking to a lot of these companies, and I think, I mean, mainly female founded companies, but I would have to say there's many um, male founded companies, which would also fit into this category, which were more sustainable growth companies, right? They were, um, you know, they'd grown organically, right? Um, They had often never raised a single dollar of any kind of financing, maybe some from friends and family, right? But they certainly didn't think about rushing out to to venture capitalists and raising funding that way. They were, you know, they'd grown organically. What did that mean? They were actually profitable, right, From, um, from very early on. And that was actually a common, you know, common path to business success. But I think it wasn't necessarily as recognised um, in kind of our current, I guess, founder culture, um, and it wasn't being celebrated. And I think also very, you know, practically, there there weren't many other financing options, right, apart from venture capital. Um, to support these types of companies. Um, And they don't have
0: to be tech even necessarily. They don't even
1: have to be tech, right? I mean, and I think a lot of, I mean, one thing that we've seen is that there's actually a great number of like offline businesses, which still, you know, like offline education businesses, offline healthcare businesses. I mean, and again, don't get me wrong, I'm totally supportive of ed tech and health tech companies, right? But I mean, they're not going to be able to cater for everyone, right? I think it's more about ensuring or giving people and founders and consumers, right, diversity of choice, right? Some people want to transact online and deal online. Other people still would rather go to a physical location. And to be honest, I don't think that's going to change, I mean, in certain, you know, sectors um, overnight, right, or even for a long time. And and, and so the question really became, like, how do we actually serve these types of businesses, right? Um, These businesses which, don't have kind of hyper growth potential necessarily, right? They may not even be like totally focused on an exit, which is the other big like mantra, right? Of, um, of raising venture capital, you know, and, um, and how do you actually provide them the capital that they need? And we came up with a pretty, I guess, unsexy answer, which is that sometimes it's actually debt financing, right? Which could be a more appropriate fit, right? For a company, which is, Cash flow positive, right? So we're not trying to overburden a company, obviously, with with you know debt payment repayments that it cannot stomach. Um, but then it also takes the pressure off for an exit, right? Which I, I and you know I think in my career also as an equity investor, I saw that often caused a lot of different tensions, right? Um, over over time, um, as. As investors, you know, due to the 10-year fund life, et cetera, had a very, st- understandably, right, a very strong pressure for an exit, which may or may not align with the founders' own needs um, and, and desires.
0: So let's paint that picture. I'm I'm a right. women-led company. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I may be a tech company. I may not. Either way, uh, we're making cash flow. We're profitable, or at least right. in the green. Um, what kind of criteria are you looking for? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you can even showcase maybe a couple of companies that you may have invested in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we haven't actually made. Uh, we're we're close to hopefully compi- uh, completing our first, um, you know, first couple of deals. But but I can pro- uh, provide kind of a more more general sure. picture, right? To, to answer your question, hopefully, um, right. So I think, uh, yeah. So, so I mean, what what does like a typical business, right, look like uh, for us? And and I guess how can we support? Um, so as you say, right, you're you're a company which has. Um, let's say, what? what educa- uh, do you want to be in the education industry? Let's say um, you're in the, the, the education industry and you're a company which has, you know, maybe grown um, organically to maybe like three or four different learning centers, right? L- let's say, I'm not sure, what do you want to do? Test prep, um, English, <laughs> STEM, um, you um, name it. English, English. Let's okay, yeah, let's yeah. do English. Teaching but let's say like, you know, you've got like yeah. some secret sauce, right? Yeah, um, yeah, some yeah. secret sauce English um, English teaching method. And um, you've, or, or maybe you're outside of Saigon. I mean, cause that's another really interesting thing that we've seen, right? I mean, a lot of, as you can imagine, venture capital is totally focused on the major cities, right? But what if you're a kick-ass English teaching, you know, um, chain in the Mekong Delta, for example, right? Oh, wow. If anyone's listening, (laughs) (laughs) please, please find me after the show. There's probably a
0: company that exists like exactly like that. They're thinking contact. Let's go with
1: our hypothetical example, which probably is not very hypothetical, because I think, as you say, right, there are companies like this. Um, so you've been operating, um, you know you started off with one center in Venture, right and then um, and then next you went to Anzang. Um, and then and then you want to open a few more right in other parts of um, of, of the Mekong Delta, right. Um, and you have a clear playbook, right? You know that the payback period for opening up a center is let's say less than 12 months, right. But you need that kind of upfront investment to cover both the capex um, as well as the operating costs right for that initial period um well how are you going to fund that so you do have some cash from your business but it's not quite enough if you want to open like you know three new centers next year for example um you know well you know could you raise venture capital like probably not because they're like uh you know this like how is this going to be scalable this looks like english centers in bench right um could you go to private equity? Maybe. Right. But you're probably a bit too small at that point. Right. I mean, when you have maybe 50 centers, then you could go rock up to, you know, Mekong capital or whatever, maybe have a conversation. But, um, but at that point you're, you're too small and maybe only looking to raise, let's say half a million or a million dollars. Right. Um, or you could go to the bank, I guess. But Very um, high interest rates. Well, and also you need a lot. I mean, the the the, the killer there is, is really around collateral, right? Not the killer. I mean, it's um, it's the Standard, restriction, right? Yeah, that yeah. the restriction to, I think, many, like, SME-type businesses. They also don't
0: sup- provide support, which I'm guessing you guys do.
1: Right, right. And I think it's a different ethos, right? I mean, we, we, we don't, I, I, I hope, I mean, we don't think like a bank, at least in terms of our customer relationships, right? And, and the way um, and the way that we interact with, with our clients, right, and our customers. Um, yeah, but I think the, the, the big challenge for, um, I think, for SMEs who approach banks is that there's very high collateral requirements, right? So it would often mean, um, you know, mortgaging your, your house, basically um, or your car or your land in the Mekong Delta or or whatever else the case might be. And, you know, and and that's really antithetical to business lending, small business lending in other markets, right? In the U S there's actually products where you would, you know, um, secure, like take out a loan against the business assets, right? And I think that's more our approach, right? We, we don't want to come after you
0: personally necessarily. What, right? What's the ambition of the fund aside from mm. just identifying types of companies? Are you looking to invest in hundreds of companies? I mean, that's quite a stretch. You've not even started yeah. one quite yet, but two. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. What does yes. it look like in five years for a beacon fund?
1: I think we really want to be the partner of choice for this type of company, right? Um, So I think there's been some really interesting discussions going on in the investment scene around like unicorns and zebras, right? Like not everyone is going to be a unicorn or a bony or whatever else (laughs) the, the terminology is. But I, I think there's this, this, this beautiful, I think, concept that actually many companies are more like zebras, right? They come in all different, you know, stripes and types. And- um,
0: there's, a, there's a zebra looking thing right really? behind you. That's true, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um,
1: so, um, and, and, and how do you actually support these companies, right? The more, the companies which are really interested in, you know, sustainable growth, right? Um, they're, they're the passion businesses often of their families. Are there a lot right? of
0: those in Vietnam?
1: I believe there are. And you're right? investing only
0: in Vietnam, is that right? Uh,
1: actually, we're a regional fund. So we invest in Vietnam, Indonesia, and the Philippines. Um, so I think companies which Panama um, and, you know, we've been operating in for a long time. Uh, and I think that market knowledge is, is definitely critical in in understanding. Um, yeah, in, in understanding. Are, are the there two so, funds
0: related at all, by the way?
1: Yeah, I guess we consider ourselves like sister funds, got basically. It, it. Okay. Um, so, so that's how we're related still. Um, and... Yeah, I, I mean, I mean to be honest, I, I actually think that there's so many of these businesses. I think it's probably commonly said, right? The number of businesses which is suitable for venture capital financing is probably like less than one percent of businesses, sure, right? Sure. I think exactly. that's what VC are, are they always a little say. bit
0: hesitant to? Like, who makes the approach? Is it them? Right. Is it you? Is it? Um mm. is it companies that maybe their family run companies yeah. but their youngest or their oldest right. son or daughter is finally taking over the business in the in the Definitely
1: sometimes we see that yeah. type of situation. I admit that it, you know, that there, there is, um, I think on our part, I think we have a responsibility to do, I think, further, you know, education, awareness raising, right? Just because it's a very new concept, right? I mean, like who else is doing, I guess, like private debt style investing in Vietnam? Like not really many, any, maybe. Um, so, and I think, of course, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I mean, the concept of, you know, taking out a loan is not exactly the the most um, glamorous or exciting, you know, not something you really want to admit, where it's like, oh, I closed, you know, this many million dollars from a VC. It's, it's much more exciting, right? But I think, you know, I think the story that we're trying to share is, you know, I think the, the, the VC path, right? It, I mean, it's not free money. I think we, we know that really well. Um, and I think it, it does um, set, yeah, I think unless you're really aligned, right, and you're in that right kind of market and business model, then it can be fantastic, right? And I'm, again, I'm, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not a fan of venture capital financing. I think it can be great for the well, right we're, business. We're a venture business. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So venture back businesses can be, you know, are awesome, right? But it has to fit, but you have to fit, right? I think, and I think, I have seen actually, you know, I think because venture seems like the only way to go, um, I think our innovation really is around, you know, helping like fundraising mean more than just going out to talk to a VC, right? Um, There are other paths available to grow your business and scale your business, right? And I think it doesn't mean if you want to grow like a sustainable, you know, sustainable style business that you're less ambitious or your business hasn't been as successful, right? I mean, Honestly, I think, yeah, some of these businesses, they'll be here in 20 years, right, where a lot of startups may not be. Um, and I think that should be celebrated, right, rather than being seen as a sign of, um, you know, not, not, not really having made it, right. Um, it's, you know, as, as you know very well, I mean, the goal is not to just raise $100 million of financing for the sake of it. Chỉ với 20.000 đồng một tháng, tương đương một ổ bánh mì, bạn có thể giúp duy trì hoạt động của chương trình như chưa hề có cuộc chia ly, hãy tham gia chiến dịch bánh mì Nối yêu thương tại app của ví điện tử Momo.
0: I do find it strange when people celebrate um, numerical milestones. Right. Like, oh, we've finally hired 100 people. Well, you're does like, it mean you're so fishing? Like, so what? Yeah. I mean, it's nice to say right. that, but actually when you think about it or mm. when you raise money, right? Um, does it just mean that you've used up a lot of capital and you've had to raise exactly money like let's or, talk
1: about capital uh, efficiency here for a second, right? And I think that's one thing that, like, these businesses are so capital efficient sometimes, right? I mean, there's, um, yeah, they've been just so disciplined um, in the way that they run their business, and yeah, it's it's so it's what, really inspiring to see.
0: So if we were to get more into the functions of a typical investment they're probably doing a couple million us dollars in mm-hmm. revenue let's it. say mm-hmm. uh, I mean from a headcount point of view it could be as little as two people up to like 50 maybe it's yeah, a small 50 business. or
1: 100 I mean I think it depends um if it's more in the yeah I guess you know there's some kind of manufacturing aspect maybe they have a small factory um it could be more like that but
0: yeah what, what what's kind of a, a sample business like could it be mm. a, uh, a company making um, consumer products like, you know, garments? Could be, or,
1: right? Could you know. be a consumer products business. I think we see some really interesting things here, I think, in the, I guess, you know, you could call them the the she economy, right? Or the female-focused consumer space, right? And I think, again, it's widely known now, I think, that women control, say, 80% of consumer like spending, spending decisions. right, yeah. decisions. That is a lot of, that's a lot of stuff right there, right? Um, so there's some interesting, I think, businesses with female founders, right, who have really, I think, um, seen, seen kind of the, the need, seen also where the markets are heading, right? And I think we want to, maybe sometimes they're perceived as not being very like innovative or exciting. Uh, let's talk about but, that too, mm, because
0: we want to focus on women and, and the beacon mm. fund. Um, let's talk about the need that you're trying to fill. I mean, right. all companies have uh, are trying to figure out a problem or, or yes. address a need mm-hmm. uh, in the market. For you guys, you're approaching it from financing mm-hmm. and from uh, funding, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, is there a bias against women entrepreneurs? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is that what you're targeting? Is it a lack of infrastructure to support them? Right. Maybe you guys are coming in as like a women-led business yourself, so you're helping yep. women help women. What does that look like exactly?
1: I think we see it from a number of different angles, right? I think one very powerful angle is, you know, I think we saw a lot of, we saw a high concentration of women-led businesses in this kind of what I would call, say, the sustainable growth, you know, business space right like, like um, with, with this you know who weren't necessarily gunning for hyper growth but were running great businesses right and were somehow made to feel a bit like you know they're guilty. not so obsessed with the big
0: numbers they right just want they're just like, like,
1: like wow you know they, they actually like you know turn a profit and right there's actually
0: but, quite a number of them in vietnam exactly they're, they're some exactly. of them are not so visible i mean their brand might be right. very visible but they aren't maybe yes. because they uh, I mean, this is just an assumption, but um, Mm. from what I see, especially being in media, Mm. I mean, there are some that are quite out there and prominent, but there's also some that are fearful of being too out there. I remember one of my friends, one's a a really successful mattress company. She's Mm. she's actually been featured on Vietnam Innovators uh, series, but on the Vietnamese language version. Beautiful. uh, Rue Nine. Yes, a little shout out I there. i about it. Yeah, And mm-hmm. um, I remember she was telling me, hopefully she's okay with this, but I mean, it's all good. Um, <laughs> that uh, when she was working with the contract manufacturers, mm. some of them would kind of like look down on her. This was many years ago. Mm. I'm sure it's changed now, but um, because mm. she was a woman. And right. they were kind of confused why they were talking to a woman until yep. they found out she was actually the CEO. Mm. <laughs> and that, that was a bit of a shock yep. to the manufacturer. I mean, they've yep. been used to, you know, so, yeah. um, I mean, there's plenty of other businesses that, Uh, have similar stories, I'm sure.
1: Exactly. So I think the first one is like, how do we actually like recognizing, I think it's all about, you know, customer centricity right so i think recognize so again i don't want to also say you know sound like i'm saying that women can't start hyper growth tech startups right they totally can Um, but you know i think we we also see there are a lot of women who are pursuing other paths right Um, more sustainable growth paths and, and just running great businesses and then how do we actually diversify the funding sources for them right because there's not much out there so that's market gap i think number one um, I think secondly, as as you pointed out, I mean, I think there are still, I mean, quite a number of, you know, biases, conscious, unconscious, right, in... Um in the sector and i think one thing that, that for example like that i've seen is that some of these businesses that we're talking about here these sustainable growth businesses are sometimes referred to as like oh that's just like a lifestyle business mm.
0: and i'm like i really dislike the word lifestyle what does that even mean? right
1: what does that even mean I'm people like, people are
0: just living and they like to do you know, things i mean right. that's just a business right <laughs>
1: and uh, and it's used often i think especially with women in a Kind of a derogatory way, right? I mean, so for example, I you know a woman could be running, say, a very successful chain of um, yoga studios, mm. right? And they're like, oh, that's just a that's just a lifestyle business. She just likes to do yoga. I'm like, oh, but it also makes you know. I'm just making up an example here, like you know, one million dollars net profit every year, right? Which is certainly more than many startups you know might hope to achieve in the first few years. So of you're making up, you're illustrating all
0: these examples. I'm sure they just exist. They, 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 <laughs> yes. Well, I think I'm
1: obviously drawing on some <laughs> some um some. Some, some reality in, 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 in yeah, that, that we see in our pipeline. So, so I think yeah, so. The second point is really around, um, you know, how do we actually? I think not just overcome some of these biases, but really celebrate these businesses for you know just being awesome. We you got right? them all on the Vietnam Innovator Show. We, we just, yeah, we, we will you happily. Give that list right, we, there. right, we'll give you that. <laughs> like, yeah, let's let's do a little swap. Um, <laughs> So, so I think that, yeah, that, that's the second thing. And I think the third thing is, um, you know, as you said, we are also, um, you know, well, we a, a woman led team, but I would also say a very diverse team. I mean, so I think half our team is actually men. Um, sometimes people are like not clear on that, but, um, but half our team and also my co-founder is, is, is a man. And, you know, I think we, we really believe that this is an issue which, um, can, you know, can be beneficial for everyone. Right. And, I think the other piece, you know, people ask sometimes like, oh, why are you focusing on just women entrepreneurs for now, right? Like I've seen some men who also are running this type of business as well. Like, do you not care about them? Um, We do. Uh, But I think, you know, when, well, when starting a company you know people always say you should go to where where there's the deepest pain point right and the 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 kind of biggest need and i think that's why we've started with women-led companies women-owned companies can't do everything right so i think um but again i i it's it's not to say we don't acknowledge men there's a lot of great men running you know these fantastic sustainable growth businesses as well and um and we'd love to support them over time right as as we (laughs) as we as we grow and expand
0: fantastic yeah um what are what are some of the common like questions and, and kind of concerns that women entrepreneurs mm. have when they're talking to people like uh, like groups like you. Not not uh, funds right. specifically or financing options, but mm. what are some of the challenges they always bring up uh, for them doing business in a place like Vietnam and Philippines and Indonesia?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... Um,
0: we talk about this need, but what is the need exactly like from, from a founder perspective?
1: Right. I mean, I think there's... The one thing I love, I mean, I think you know again, generalization, most of the female founders that that I deal with, I mean they are so hungry to you know to to learn, I think get you know mentoring access to different networks. and I think um I think one of the challenges is that you know that has generally not been as accessible right um to them, I think particularly more on the on the venture side, right, which are you know pretty male dominated as as you know. I mean I think obviously now there's a lot of different great initiatives to try and kind of mix that up. but um I think you know finding you know access to, to great mentors you know having people who are really um willing to not just put in say money or, or whatever right um but but really time in um you know understand you know understanding their business right helping them you know work through some of the these these tough issues together I think that that's one um kind of common I guess concern or ask that that we get right um and yeah I, I would say I think because we're an investor, I think another question that we get a lot is, you know, how do we present our company to investors, right? Because I think we've talked to a lot of VCs. They say, you know, um, they're not interested because we're not tech. They Or because we don't want to show big numbers. We don't want to show big numbers because we're going to give you what we're comfortable on delivering, right? Not some very um, pie-in-the-sky type of projection. And so I think they struggle... With some of these mixed messages, like, oh, you need to be more ambitious, put out big numbers, but they're like, well, <laughs> we don't want to put out things that we can't deliver on, right? And um, yeah, so, so I think th- these are some of the, you know, and then kind of just that feeling that they've kind of fallen between the cracks in some way, like they're not quite right for VC, they're not quite right for private equity, but but they still want to grow, right? It's not like they're happy, you know, just cruising along, right? <laughs> they're very ambitious people. Um, so, so I think these are some of the things that we see.
0: Okay. Well, excellent. Um, maybe you can, uh, you know, on a last note, we're kind right. of wrapping up here. Sure. Um, I, I mentioned earlier about the number of companies and, mm. and number of impacts that you want to make on on this ecosystem. Yeah. Um, you're making your first investment soon. Yep. It's 2021 now. Yep. Maybe you can paint a picture about how many companies you, you hope to invest in this year, and and also like these women entrepreneurs, um, kind of. Like, what are their, what are their backgrounds, maybe a little bit, so mm. we can hopefully inspire some people watching and listening here today.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, so in the first question, like, I guess, you know, looking ahead, what are some of our goals? Um, well, we just put oh. in OKRs, I should know all of these things. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the big goal, I think, is to, over, I would say, kind of a, you know, three to five year time period, right, is to really, um, I think, illustrate, bring to life and execute on another, like path for fundraising and business growth right which is not like yeah which is different from the VC not better I would say than the VC path but just different from the VC path um, but I think can be equally you know fulfilling and rewarding for you know those companies and investors who want to tread down that path right so I think that's the big picture goal I mean very practically I think would love to make you know some you know five to ten investments before the end of this year um, in, in Vietnam I think we're yeah, it's, it's been a really fun ride building up all our processes and, and kind of learning how to do this type of investment, which again, there's no clear blame And how
0: are they finding you right now? These entrepreneurs, your network, you're going network, to Network, like, Yeah, uh.
1: I mean, great team. Big shout out to the team who have really gone out there and um, tried to, because as you say, I mean, these companies are not always so obvious, right? There's a lot of hidden gems. So I think it it is harder. Uh, I won't lie. But um, but it's been yeah, it's always really fun to unearth these 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 jewels um, in or diamonds in the rough. Um, then your second question on the background of some of these entrepreneurs, um, I think that is also very interesting um, because. As I say, it, it's not really the usual suspects, right? So as you might see in the venture capital crowd, um, again, like it's great. Like often those founders have had some overseas exposure, right? Studied at some really great schools, um, which is awesome. They're, you know, super smart and I give them kudos for it, right? Um but some of our founders uh, may have always worked in Vietnam, right? Haven't, you know, haven't studied overseas. They might be a bit older as well, right? Um, and, you know, may not speak great English, which is, again, why I really need to rely on on, on my fantastic team. Um, and may not have come from Ho Chi Minh City or Hanoi. Um, so it's a bit of a different... Um, I really feel that, you know, and then this kind of goes back to the core of impact investing, right? There's this question that we always ask ourselves, you know, are we being additional, right? If we weren't here, would this company have received funding somehow, right? Would they, you know, what gap are we really filling in the market basically, right? And I feel that with Beacon, um, I think the additionality picture is, is very clear, right? Because there is, there isn't a product like ours in, in the market and yeah. I, I'm sure to the credit of the entrepreneurs they probably would have found a way to you know push on and survive somehow but some
0: the founder stories that we're uncovering this way are also non-traditional non-traditional way, group, and background money even all these different
1: right things. and I think so. it, it's you know I think gender is really important to me that that angle but but it's not the only angle right and I think that diversity of background of you know, of, of experiences. I think it's so important to lift that up as well because, um, you know, you, you don't, I mean, you don't have to study in the US to start a great company, right? Like it's, um and and I think we just want to show that there's, yeah, that there's, there's many different ways to be a successful entrepreneur, right? That's excellent. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you guys hiring? We we, we are actually. Um, Here's we're your always, plug. Um, Here's your
0: avalanche of applications avalanche coming Avalanche of way.
1: applications. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I, I think, we have a very interesting opportunity at Beacon. I think, firstly, I mean, our mission, as we've shared today, I think it's it's pretty unique um, and you know hopefully inspiring to to, to people out there. Um, there's also a lot of like really interesting work to be done, right, in terms of like how do you actually build an investment product which meets the need of this entrepreneur, these entrepreneurs, right? Like part of it is debt, but I think you can be also creative but also not too creative in the vietnam context about um about what you um how you invest and i think we're looking for people with strong i think investment backgrounds i think particularly credit backgrounds um to join our team both both here in vietnam also in indonesia um in the philippines as well um i think that yeah i mean any 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 founder is always looking for good talent so so thank you for 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 that
0: opportunity to excellent
1: share yeah
0: yeah Avalanche coming your way, Shuyen.
1: Okay, well, I hope of both. Yeah, pipeline, <laughs> talent, everything. Fantastic. fantastic.
0: Cool. Well, Shuyen, I think that's it. Um, any last notes maybe you'd like to share about Beacon, about what your team is doing, Patamar even? Um, that
1: yeah, like I mean, here? I... N- no, nothing in particular. I would just say, um, you know, I think we're really happy to connect with, with people who are interested in, in kind of, you know, impact investing, our mission of supporting female entrepreneurs, looking at alternative ways of financing. I think to me, you know, I think this podcast is, is about innovation. Yes. Right. Um, I think it's, yeah, I, to me, I'd love to see innovation on the financing side as well. Right. And in, in my industry. Um, and I think it, it is happening here, here in Vietnam. So we'd love to, we'd love to connect with anyone who's interested.
0: Excellent. Well, we look forward to the next few years of Beacon Fund and and your work and your team's work evolving and uncovering those new entrepreneurs. And we hope Mm -hmm. to be profiling some of them. So always please reach (laughs) out when you you have those stories. Um, (laughs) For those of you listening to another episode of Vietnam Innovators, stay tuned. We reach out every week on Tuesdays, but soon we'll be launching every two weeks, uh, sorry, uh, twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday morning. So look out for that uh, and another episode of Vietnam Innovators very soon. I'm your host, Tao Tran. I'll see you guys next week.
1: Thank Thanks, Julian. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much.
0: Vietcetra's Vietnam Innovator series is only one of many podcasts hosted by the team. We also have Have a Sip hosted by our VP of Content, Thuy Minh, as well as the Vietnamese edition of Vietnam Innovators hosted by Vietcetra's Chief Operating Officer, Ruby Nguyen. Look out for more podcast production soon from the Vietcetra team. You can also check out the video version of this podcast on our other platforms such as YouTube and Facebook. New episodes are out every week, so don't forget to subscribe to Vietcetra's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube channel for more interesting content. Thanks for listening to another episode of Vietnam Innovators, brought to you by our partners, health tech startup GeoHealth. They're best known for their doctor-at-home services, but offer much more than that. If you haven't already, check out their mobile apps on the App Store and Google Play for more, or drop by for a visit to their new smart clinic at M Plaza in Hoachman City.